1: Hey Dave, how you doing, man? It's been a long time.
2: Long
0: time.
1: Long. It has been a long time. We didn't connect on the river, a few weeks ago. We had a meeting uh, to talk about the future awesomeness of Boiling Point podcast and uh, everything else that we're offering. And we're like, why don't we meet in the river? And I was like, I'll take my sailboat. You take your jet ski. But for some reason, we didn't connect.
2: Well, it was great sailing weather. It's not great jet skiing weather it was like, I got halfway. And and for people that don't know the Canepa River, it's like in the St. John River, they're massive. Like they've got islands in the middle of them. They're like, anyone looking at it would think it's a lake. And, uh, and these winds come up. And I was halfway down, you know, looking to meet up with you and realizing, I can't, I don't know, if, like I can go, but I mean, man, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it back. So it was a, a failed attempt, but it was uh, we meant to get together, and we'll, we'll do that again. You don't have to just have to have the perfect weather, you know?
1: Exactly. exactly. Well, listen, a lot of really awesome uh, – when I say awesome, I mean by the right word, awesome. Something that has brought a lot of awe to our world. It's happened since you and I had uh, a podcast together, including – Um, You know, the uh, very tragic uh, um, killing of George Floyd, which really coalesced the Black Lives Movement, um, Black Lives Matter movement together. And since we spoke, Dave, I I was able to go to the rally that we had in St. John. and It was so inspiring to see thousands of St. Johners showing up. I don't know how many were there. I I say thousands, probably three or four thousand people. But nobody shows up in those numbers in St. John. There's something incredible happening. COVID has created this incredible um, opportunity where everybody in the world has kind of gotten on the same page on certain things. And uh, anyway, for me, that's been really uh, really changing me and uh, giving me an opportunity to learn. And uh, I'm really, I was really excited when you, Dave, read an interesting article in Huddle, and you said, hey, we got to get the author of this article on. And I was like, I know that author. And Let's just pause it there. Dave, why don't you introduce our incredible guest today?
2: Well, I'll, I'm going to let Shauna introduce herself because she'll do a much better job. But we both have had a chance to And actually, Shauna was kind enough to go through the Bowling Point process, which is our, um, you know, our, our training program that helps people be heard in Noise Marketplace and give us feedback a number yeah. of months ago or a year ago or whatever it was. And we both had a chance to interact with her. And yeah, Shauna, when your article came out, I was just like really inspired. And I was just like, I just saw how courageous it was. And I thought, you know, we're, we're in this interesting time and, and, and it's a confusing time. And, um, and, you know, I just, I, I reached out and said, would you be willing to share you know, your perspective? And you said, yeah, bring it on. And we're, and for two perspectives, like your personal perspective, um, and, and, and you know and and then also, you know, if we think of you professionally, um, maybe we can get some insights late, like you know, at the end of the interview or towards the end of the interview on you know what do, what do Greg and I do as business owners? like what are some suggestions you might make of us? but let's let's start with your personal story. Um, but before we do that, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, let people know who who you are, and you ha- um, have been championing causes for a long time such as um supporting I, the way I one of the many ways I know you is um um supporting women on maternity leave um you know just feeling like they've got um power and you know and I just you know so you kind of have to me um, an ability to reach out and uh and and maybe help and support people that are are more vulnerable
3: Well I'm trying to, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> trying to. I, I certainly am. So, um, so my name's is Nicole Cole and obviously guys, like we go back a number of years, um, being involved in, in this, in this local community. And yeah, so, so about, um, about three years ago, I had made some decisions in my life to pers- pursue entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship for me was taking my background in human resources, in career transition, And building a business that I could really be passionate about and connect with in a way that was really aligned with my values. And so in that business, I I worked with women going through transitions like maternity leaves. I worked with people going through big transitions like job loss. Um, and I also work with um, small to mid-sized companies through, um, through an, an HR consulting business as well. So I'm really focused in that, in that space of helping people define their career purpose um, and helping companies who have core values that are, you know, aligned with mine um, to, to do what's, what's right in the world and by their people. Um, so, so, yeah, so a couple of what's, weeks. What's the, uh,
2: company, what's the company name?
3: Well, I, am operating under my name right now. So I I work under Shauna Cole consulting, uh, for, for my business. Um, and then I've got, um, a new, um, a new project that I've just recently started, which is called career interrupted. Um, I'm, I'm like Greg, the video guy, he would just be mortified for me. I think I started a YouTube channel and it's like, I just, you know what? I'm putting out meaningful content to help people find their career purpose and that's what i can do right now and someday someday i'll have a studio so so, so for now it's it's really about the the content piece for me
1: so you're doing a great job listen you you obviously you listen to the uh the wisdom of the boiling point uh, process <laughs> because you're opening your own content and that is makes us super uh,
2: you're, you're shipping is shipping it as SaaS story is uh, that right? term it's it's he uses
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm like you know what um i i think that so often, especially, I don't know, my personality type, when you like things to be a certain way, getting out of that comfort zone is mm. certainly a challenge and putting yourself out there in a way that's not like your ideal perfect or whatever can, can be tough. But honestly, I'm feeling really good about the, the YouTube channel and where it's going and sort of the, the feedback that I'm getting from, um, from you know people that I have had um, in, in my own community and then like building a new community um, around, around that. So I'm, I'm finding that really, really rewarding.
2: So in the spirit of putting yourself out there, you recently mm-hmm. did put yourself out there in a big way, sharing a personal story that really, um, I think is compelling in these times. And I was, I was, we were hoping you'd, you'd be comfortable sharing that, um, that piece and that, you know, that wonderful kind of, uh, articulation of how you're feeling right now.
3: Sure. Sure. So, um, I had posted, um, really and there was no intention behind this post other than I was feeling really um compelled to to share my own personal stories with with racism um, kind of in response to that that change in appetite appetite and openness um to have that that Dialogue after um, after the incidents around George Floyd. So I took to social media. I wrote this post that I had honestly. I feel like I've written this post like a million times uh, throughout throughout my life. It's 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 basically my highlight reel of racism. Um, so this this is it. Um, I heard a hiring manager say the N word. He didn't know that I am black because I am white too. I have heard things that white people may otherwise censor in their conversations because they assume I am white. I listen to R&B music. My kids have blonde hair. The first time I heard the N-word, I was in kindergarten. I saw my black cousin attacked. In grade one, a white classmate told me my dad was poopy. In grade 12, that same classmate apologized to me. It bothered her for all those years. Straighten your hair, people say to me. You'll look more professional that way. I was never more uncomfortable than when we read To Kill a Mockingbird in grade four. Hmm. My three-year-old thinks we change color as we get older. His grampy is black. I was scared. I was sad. I was angry when I heard that hiring manager say the N-word. He didn't want to interview the candidate. His name sounded too black. I said Nothing. I only told my mom. It made her cry. It made me cry too. The next day, I put a photo of me and my interracial family on my desk at work. In that photo, I'm holding my Black father's arm. The look of fear on that manager's face told me he, he knew what he had done we have responsibilities at home to educate our children about anti-racism and we have those responsibilities at work too
1: incredible Shauna, that was incredible and <clears throat> it's very it's very uh in line with the speech that you had at uh, at the black lives matter rally as well what an interesting perspective of transition you know, like one day being perceived as black, another day being perceived as white and the privilege that comes with part of your life and the oppression with the other. Um, yeah. Wow. Interesting. And Someone in HR, it, like, like you are, you're an HR professional that has must've given you such an interesting lens in your professional career doing what you do.
3: Yeah. And I, I feel like on the, on the one hand, I, there, there are certain things um, that happened throughout my career that I maybe didn't even recognize that that were happening at that time until much later when, when we started this whole conversation even and it forced some sort of reflection um, one thing that really did stand out and I touched on it in that piece there is, is the piece around my hair, like literally had gone my entire life with mentors and everyone like, oh my gosh, like, so I still like, I it's a choice I make, but whatever. I, I still, um, when people are saying that, like, oh, you straighten your hair, you will look more professional that way. It's like, you just lean into your white privilege like a little bit more because you've got that available to you. Now, I don't think anyone ever like had that as an intention. Like I, I feel like people had seriously my best interests in mind. But now when we're just, we're more educated and we're much more aware of these things that kind of underlie our society, we can now reflect back and go like, you know, like Really? Why were you? Why were you saying that to me? Why? What was the underlying message? And it certainly is one, I think, of of white privilege. So,
2: well, and you know what? Like, in, it's. I wonder if it's even more than that. Like, I've never ever had someone comment on my hair. Thankfully, in seeing my hairline now, you know what I mean. So, I almost feel like there's a little sexism in, involved in that as well. Like, what difference does hair make? Like, I just. I mean, and I. You know, you're very being very kind because they probably whoever was saying it meant, didn't mean, you know, it had good intentions, but just the fact that that's somehow going to like help accelerate your career in some way. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I, I got shocking, shocking.
3: Oh, for real. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, and the and I, like, uh, like, honestly, most of these environments are like pretty male dominated environments. So right. the women that were around me, like, were like, they want you to progress and be successful. Right. And it's like, here right. are all the ways we can do it. And they're like, right. And appearance absolutely kind of, factors into it in, in certain aspects. So,
2: so when you, I'm curious, I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask a quick question about, um, um, you know, what's interesting is like, you're talking about progressing kind of within a corporate environment. And at some stage, you decided you wanted, you know what, I'm not interested in doing, playing these rules. That's, that's my interpretation, right? Yeah. And I decided, you know, you became an entrepreneur, you jumped into the entrepreneur kind of pool with us, um, I remember you contacted me and you were just kind of throwing out some ideas. That's what you wanted to do. And we, I thought we had a really good conversation. Um, and then you touched base with me two years later, uh, thereabouts. And, you know, here's what I'm doing now. And um, but what, like, you know, what, I'm just curious about that. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I don't mean to take us off track, but I'm just like, what got you like into the entrepreneurial pool? Like what got you out of, off the the corporate track, if you will?
3: Yeah, there, there were, <laughs> probably a couple of things that happened throughout um, throughout my career that led me off that track. So, so the story I I share about this hiring manager, um, that impacted me in like a lot of ways. And when something like that happens in your career, certainly it's something that follows you and it's, and it does make you question like, how can I be in this place where this is allowed to happen? I literally felt like in a position where who am I going to tell this to like, his white boss who's a man in his fifties or the other white boss who's a man in his fifties. So I I felt very alone in, in that. Um, and then for me personally, um, what, what really kind of catapulted, um, my desire to really say like, screw it. I'm going to follow my values and like hope everything turns out. Okay. Um, was a transition to, to motherhood, um, for me. So, um, so when I had my first son and was really feeling kind of a, a disconnect in terms of um, in terms of my value in the company now because I was a mother who had gone on a mat leave for twelve months. Um, in addition, in addition to really wanting to spend some some time with with my child, that's what that was kind of like the final the final straw on that, and that's what catapulted me into into entrepreneurship.
1: Interesting. So essentially, the uh... The organization that, that, that you were working with, which is like so many of these patriarchal uh, large organizations, they, they saw efficiency and uh, commitment and loyalty to the uh, mission of the company uh, as more important than your, the health of your family, essentially, or the ability for you to take all the time that you're legally allowed to take. Because that, that's, that's a very common experience for so many women. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, it is. It is a common experience, and I I do think that what the I think the challenge that employers face is, um, is that it's it's not kind of this consistent, this linear experience across the whole company. It's so largely dependent on the manager that you're working for at that time, right. Right. their sort of experiences with family, where they're at in their life, their value system, right? So I think that companies are in like just a hard spot to manage that period. Um. There's, sure, there's some benefits to have to having some um, some more formal programs, but for sure, for me in my specific situation in that organization, yeah, it like mat did not feel like it was like good for my career. Like, I, it did not feel like it was a positive um, a positive thing for my career that was going to um, see me climb the ladder. And, um, for me to continue to work in a company whereas like, it's just, it's just not in me to kind of like be status quo and not want to progress or learn and grow. That's, that's like, that's what motivates me. That's what gets me jazz. Um, and I felt like, you know what, I'm not really in a situation where I feel like you're with me on this <laughs> anymore. So, so that's why it had to end.
1: Isn't it amazing that a crisis, cause that is a crisis, um, in your life has opened up an opportunity, which is, you know what, um, being on mat Leaf has not helped my career. But if there's a whole bunch of other people experiencing the same thing, there's an entrepreneurial opportunity there for you. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the business. Like, what are you doing now? How are you inspiring other women in the same, uh, same position?
3: Yeah. So I have been focusing in my business, I'm um, really keeping it focused on um, career transition. So, so people who are sort of mid to later career professionals um, going through experiencing either job loss, like in the form of, um, of layoff. Um, if they're going through sort of people go through values changes and this just blows my mind. We kind of like graduate from school, get the job, climb the corporate ladder, go status quo, status quo. And we never like take this, pause to say, Oh my goodness, like everything in my life has literally changed. Maybe I should reassess my path and see, do check in and see if my career is still aligned with, you know, the fact that I have children now, or the fact that I've gone through some sort of transformational experience, experience, because those things happen in life. Um, So my business is really centered around, around that and coaching at the individual um, and the group level, people to work through those career transitions in a more intentional way because the thing that's really um really consistent no matter what the type of transition is like whether it's job loss or kind of feeling a lack of direction overall because you're not aligned with your values anymore or it's mat leave there's like this underlying theme of the person feels kind of like vulnerable and like not at their best like i know you lose your job you don't like you're not like yes i'm gonna go conquer the world oh, that feels pretty crappy, like for a while. So I like to be in that person's corner um, during mm-hmm. that time where they're feeling vulnerable and I can help empower them to, um, to, to really leverage this time of transition that's kind of gross and uncomfortable and hard. But like you were saying, Greg, like it's, it's an opportunity, like it's such an opportunity. And what if, what if you could use your, this time of transition in your life or in your professional career to come out even better and stronger on the other side? Um, So that is the space where I love to work with people um, to help them through those tough times so they can come out even better on the other side.
2: When you, when you think, yeah. And, 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 and that's, you can see the passion, right? Like it totally comes up when you talk about that. Um, and, and that's, and that's what really, when we started talking about, um, you know, your online course and stuff, I could just, this passion, I'm like, this is gonna, this is gonna succeed. I mean, it's hard to know exactly when that threshold, when it just starts to take off, but, but it, it there's no, there's no chance of it not with someone having as much passion as you have behind it. Um, you know, so it takes courage to do that and to have that conversation, to go out on your own. Um, And let's go back to, you know, the courage it took to write that post and, um, and, you know, and be a voice right now in a, you know, in a very kind of white community, if you will. Um, uh, And, you know, and, and being, you know, spearheading, um, you know, making some things happen. And I I just kind of curious, like, um, because, because, and there's a really interesting thing where you, you would ask Greg to participate in something and, and uh, he wasn't sure how to how to participate and you know kind of and and this is you know this is a tricky time and it's hard to know you know how do we talk about this and that's why i'm so appreciative of you ta- you putting yourself out there and willing to talk to us about you know uh, blm and what's happening and and helping you know people like us make sense of it and by that i mean middle-aged white guys
3: <laughs> <laughs> what? You're in no way. You're middle aged, though. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll speak for myself, not for Greg. <laughs> the, the
3: The whole journey, like the whole journey to um, um, the the Black Lives Matter, the St. John movement, um, where it was like that live talk and the rally uptown and everything. Um, for me, like my experience with it was like really kind of crazy. I I have shut my mouth about stuff I've seen like my whole life, like never it to be seen as a complainer. Um, one thing that I find so interesting, um, obviously, uh, obviously have lived a life in both a black and, and white um, family, um, but the black side will always have this conversation about um, you, you have to be better than, you have to be better than. It's not enough to be as good as, you must be better than in order to be equal to. So it's like this pretty profound like lesson. um, And it's this really, really high expectation that is set. And it's very normalized, like very normalized. Like I look at, like, I look at like the life that my dad lived, like was just like so competitive in sports and better than and better than and better than and president of the student council and Excel in every, like just always always this pressure to be better than not not equal to so in that upbringing it was like never really wanted to be a complainer just mm. gonna work extra hard and everything will be okay never mind all the system issues that like were up against and weren't talking about um and and then honestly when um when the news hit about george floyd it was uh, I could just detect, like, like, you can remember your social media feed on that day. It was like just
1: something mm-hmm. different
3: happening here. Like, I don't know, what's, what's up? Like, some, something's different.
1: The tipping point. You know, finally, the tipping point. Yep. A global tipping point, too, which Black Lives Matter didn't experience before George Floyd. Right. It was very Amer- Amer- American communities jumping up, but the George Floyd happening at that time, and it being videoed, and it being so horrific, it has changed global perspectives. Countries all around the world are, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in, like how powerful that day was. Yeah,
3: yeah, and it was, I mean, for me, as as someone like and I think so many people experience this too. It's like shut up, do a good job, and everything's like gonna be okay. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe it'll be okay for me in my life, but maybe not for the the next person who's who's faced um, in a really unfortunate situation and victim of a system issue, right? Um, so that's when it becomes so important that we speak out. And honestly, I was so pissed off, like I like and the the rage. Um, and I was I grew up like very very close to a crew of like really black cousins. Like like black, these are all like amazing black men that I know in my life. And like, there is something about when you see this video and then you have this lens of like this father that's like a really good father, who's a black dude. And then these cousins that you grew up with in your life. And it's like, like literally this is getting like really close for me. And I felt like, I'm gonna say something. I'm like literally gonna say something today. So I, I, I think I had written like that post or versions of that post. Like I, I can't even tell you how many times. Like even, even throughout my teenage years, I used to reflect on kind of things that happened. And there was stuff that happened in my twenties, and it was like, oh, if I could just talk about it. Mm. So this particular day, I was pissed off. My social media feed was like telling me, Shauna do this. So I went for it. And this was a post that was not, I mean, it's hard to write in the sense that yes, it's an emotional post. This is a hard thing to share. It's a hard experience to share, but I literally like, it was just there and it was ready to come out. So this was like kind of a 10 minute exercise for me. And, um, I shared that and then it kind of like set in motion, like a sequence of events that I couldn't even have predicted, um, because then everything happened with the, the Black Lives Matter movement in town. And then I heard from the organizers there because my social media posts had gotten so much, um, so much reach, So things kind of catapulted there. Um, so I was able to get involved in the movement and, and, and be really with this group of like incredible speakers who are change makers like it's not talking for the sake of talk there's Mm -hmm. stuff actually happening because of it so so the whole journey and the whole experience was really I don't know like it was really eye-opening when people say like just be open to accept what the universe is going to throw and I'm like okay whatever but literally saw it
1: (laughs) happen (laughs) yeah that that is rare for people to actually see it
2: (laughs) yes has um and and any like has it been I mean, first off, good for you to do that. I mean, I read it and I was just like so moved by it, you know, and and I'm just like, wow, what a, you know, especially when, as you tell us the story, the backstory of like, don't be a complainer and all this kind of, you know, those things that would, you know, and and do the right thing and all this kind of stuff to step out, you know, probably as you point out, because you were angry um, and, you know, and, 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 and obviously it's been a really positive thing, but. Um, but you've had some blowback as well, I'd imagine
3: oh yeah, yeah um it's what's what's been interesting about it um i uh, overwhelmingly like positive interactions um online um but there were kind of like like a couple of key takeaways that I had from that experience is one I shared this post and the amount of people who were like, Oh my gosh, this happened in our city like <laughs> like okay, like. I'm with you guys, (laughs) but I'm like, literally, do we think that it's like, oh, it's happening over there and over there, but not here. But literally, I feel like that's where our community was in this whole journey. So it was mind boggling to me that people were so shocked that these types of stories happen here. So that's why I think it's so important when we have these conversations, it's not enough to say that it happens. It happens in Canada. It happens in the Maritimes. It happens in New Brunswick and it happens in St. John because it happens in every city. Right. So, um, so I found that like just so shocking and equally shocking was the amount of people who actually, um, vocally opposed me in both like, um, my social media feeds and in my inbox saying that you are absolutely ridiculous. No way would a hiring manager, anyone who holds like a management position at a company say that word. Really? So
1: exactly. like just like, like, how could somebody think that that would not happen to you
2: <laughs> or, or 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 worse, what they're calling you a liar
1: right yeah. oh yeah
3: right
2: like, is that uh, is that because they don't want to accept it, or i mean what what's the i mean psychology well, behind that that's so bizarre
3: so and I'm like uh, i don't so i i you can think of it like tons of different ways it's like so are you really in that i are you really in that much denial that you literally like you believe that in your core? Like you've seen the news stories of people who are like, I've never seen racism in my entire life. Like people are literally in that, like there are some people that are in that form of denial about it, which is really kind of scary, but yeah. So maybe, maybe are people now like, am I being called out as a liar because I'm like identifying as being associated with the black community? And, you know, because we all assume that black people are like, is that where that's, where that's coming from? I don't really know. I can assure you that in my spare time, I do not write stories about imaginary racism that I haven't experienced. <laughs> like, like,
2: good for you. That's a
1: good
3: So, <laughs> no. Like, no. Oh, my
1: gosh. Crazy. The most interesting thing, Shauna, is you just telling that story right now is you are experiencing something with that, with those inboxes, people sending you these denial messages that Dave and I would never experience. We just wouldn't get those unless we made a post, you know, suggesting it. Um, but I think that's been the problem with both our white and black communities in, uh, in St. John is the white community. Like all my life, uh, we had a, a, a few black friends going through school, just a few. Uh, I find our communities become much more diversified in the last 15, 20 years, but um, I I didn't experience racism nor was I taught about racism. However, the kids I was growing up with certainly did. And but we as as young people growing up trying to figure this out, why why aren't our mentors, our teachers, our parents teaching empathy and understanding, you know, appreciating differences from the beginning as part of curriculum or I don't know what it is again. I look at the US like the systemic uh, issues there. It's going to take, so like I, I fear it's going to take generations to unwind. Um, and I keep on believing it starts at a very young age with education, very young age, because if we're not talking about it as, let's say, as a white community growing up, uh, the white kids are just going to think everything's good, right? Just as a final wrap up, what are some of the takeaways considering what I, what I, you know, our experiences, you know, uh, I've got kids, you have kids, like what what, how do we, Set them up for um, a loving future in, in, in this and Maybe I
2: could maybe I could add to that also. Like, and you know, and Sean, advice you would give um, to to us to you know to to be part of the conversation, or you know, what how to how to participate, or how to how to support um, you know a community or communities that are diverse, which we all all three of us want. Um, and knowing where to insert ourselves and, you know, kind of how to support, and, you know, and, and maybe in places we don't need to insert ourselves would be really helpful just to get your perspective.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, and certainly, like, based on based on my experience, there's um, a couple of key things that I would kind of counsel any anyone to, to be aware of. Um, one big learning that, that I've had through this whole journey is um, this really kind of firm denial about, um, about skin color. Like, if you remember when we started, like, when I say we, I mean, like, kind of collectively as human beings, started to have this discussion about racism. Um, there was often this undertone of, like, well, I don't see color, I just see the person okay, dude, you see color. Like you literally see color. And that was, I talked about that in my my talk at Black Lives Matter. My three-year-old is all like, cool, Donkey's got brown skin. I'm going to turn brown. Like you see color. My three-year-old sees color. Everyone sees it. So I think it's really, really important that we continue to acknowledge the color because that color is such an important input to the overall story. It is a piece of the story to remove the color changes the entire story. It makes my story not exist. It makes my parents adversity not exist. Um, so I would say first and foremost, like continue to recognize the importance, um, and, and, um, the, the beauty and, and the meaning and all the things that color can bring to us. I think that that is so important. Um, I think the second thing that is so important that anyone who's looking to, um, continue down this path of bettering themselves, um, is, is really, a about eliminating any sorts of assumptions. I know in my own experience, by being biracial, I have just lived a life of assumptions, like, oh, like, oh, you must be black, or you must, or you must identify as um, as white or whatever. So just being very, very sort of filled um, with assumptions that are not really valid. Valid. I do think of um, kind of this discussion that we've had. And an evolution our society has gone through when it comes to even sexuality and sexual identity and gender and all the and you know how now we have a lens where it's like let's be sensitive to that or most of us do anyways we start to have a lens to be sensitive to that and not assuming that you are or aren't something on the basis of your physical appearance i think we need to be that level of sensitive when it comes to race as well so not assume anything about people on the basis of their skin color The third most important piece when it comes to this journey is absolutely going to be education. Um, Education for ourselves as business owners um, in terms of um, how to treat people, understanding what challenges that I might be up against or that the black dude might be up against that might be different from your own experience. So let's acknowledge that we have different experiences. Um, and become educated around it. I think that in that, the most important thing you can do is when you don't know, ask. Like, I literally think that that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the answer is. No. I don't know what your experience is, mm-hmm. but maybe I can ask you a question and learn about it.
1: Shauna, thank you so much. And uh, I think your last piece of advice is really awesome. I, you know, I've I've had uh, friends in the indigenous community also say the same thing. It's like, ask. Most, in most cases, people are excited to respectfully teach and 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 help you learn uh but unless you ask or are willing to learn you're not going to figure it out so shauna we want you back on again because this is a further conversation um so we'd love to hear how the next six months go so uh thank you so yeah. much for being on the bullet point with us and dave any final I, qu-
2: yeah i know before you leave um yeah thank you. i love how succinct you were those final three C- keep keep you know I just love what you're doing. And I just think it's, it's really helpful. And thanks for, you know, sharing with us and our listeners, how do people reach you? Like someone's going to, we're going to have listeners that want to connect with you. Um, Just why don't we end with your, your contact information and, um, and just a big thanks for coming on and sharing your, your, your knowledge and your wisdom with us.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much, um, Dave and Greg. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, My name again is Shauna Cole and you can find me on YouTube at Career Interrupted or connect with me on LinkedIn at Shauna Cole, S-H-A-U-N-A-C-O-L-E. You can also find me at shaunacole.com, S-H-A-U-N-A-C-O-L-E.com and I will help you get your career spark back.
1: Right, Shana Shauna. Thank
3: you. Thank you.
2: Take care, Shauna. Thanks so much.
0: Bye. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit HemmingsHouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Steve Yerko.
3: And I'm Tara
2: Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, For Kids Flashback.